welcome to Zion on this first Sunday in Lent. I have a few things to draw your attention to before we begin our service. Uh, first, uh, I know we don't often change things in our service, and so many of you know the service so well, you don't often look at the bulletin, but our song after communion will change for Lent, and you can find what we'll sing on page 135 at the bottom. Uh, so just so you're aware of that as we proceed in our service. Uh, also a reminder that our midweek Lenten services will begin this Wednesday at 7. We will have our soup suppers beginning at 6 o'clock, and all of you are invited uh, to join us for those soup suppers and for the services starting at 7. Uh, yesterday we had our funeral pre-planning workshop here at the church. I set some of our resources and worksheets that we used yesterday in that workshop in the lower narthex for anyone's reference. If you couldn't make it yesterday and kind of want to see what we talked about, what we did, those are down on the table in the lower narthex. Feel free to take one. Um, and if you have any questions or any concerns, I'd be more than happy to, to meet with you and talk about those. Um, finally, Easter lilies. You'll see the insert in your bulletin for ordering Easter lilies. We do need your order by April 1st to get those in. So if you would like to order some, uh, have that on your radar and get those in by April 1st. Are there other announcements for the congregation, other prayer requests that we need to know? Yeah, Kathy. For Steve Krebs, who's in James Cancer, Yeah, well, please. Keep Steve Krebs in your prayers. It's, he's got a difficult diagnosis and is now at the James in Columbus receiving treatment. Yeah, and Steve. Yeah, I'll keep Donna's cousin Mike in your prayers as well. As he's also received a difficult diagnosis. There are no other announcements. I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and minds and listen to the prelude as we prepare for worship.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. O Lord God, you led your people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide us now so that following your Son, we may walk safely through the wilderness of this world toward the life you alone can give. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Deuteronomy. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare to the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. The Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with a terrifying display of power, and with signs and wonders, and he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. You shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you, together with the Levites and the aliens who reside among you, shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. The word of the Lord. We will now intone Psalm 91 together.
reading from Romans. The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him, until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. I invite you to be seated. And children, I invite you to come forward. Well, I've been thinking recently about why we practice doing difficult things. Um, is, there a, like, is there a subject in school that's hardest for you, that you don't like doing? What subject is the most difficult? Math? Clementine, what's hardest for you, you think? All right, I'll let you think about it. Right, but if math is the hardest thing, right, then we do kind of like difficult homework to prepare us for math, right? We go over <coughs> problems and problems and problems until we figure it out and we can do it. So then when it comes time for the math test, Right, that we do well on it. Right, we do practice problems, we do difficult problems over and over and over until we get it. Right, if you play a sport, right, if you play soccer, right, what's practice like? Practice, you've got to do a lot of running. Right? You run and run, you do drills, you practice and practice, and sometimes practice is going to be difficult. 
right? You're out in the hot sun and you're running and running. It's difficult. But one time for the game, right? You've had all this practice. You've done difficult work. And now you're prepared for the game, right? If you play a musical instrument, right? You practice the instrument. You learn your scales. You learn your notes. You learn how to read the music. You play songs over and over and over. So when it's time for your recital, time for your performance, well, you've got it down because you've done all this difficult practice. Well, for us, Lent in the church here kind of is a time to think about practicing something difficult so that when a time comes when you've actually got to do something difficult, you're prepared. All right, so like sometimes in Lent, in the season of Lent, people will say, I'm not going to eat chocolate for 40 days. Right, is it, I don't know if that's difficult for some people. Could you give up chocolate for 40 days? Yeah. You think so? Okay. Uh, or some people, especially for adults, they'll say, well, I'm giving up coffee for 40 days, right? And that would be exceptionally difficult for me to give up coffee for 40 days. Right? They choose something difficult to give up. They choose some kind of difficult practice. Right? And they work on that throughout Lent. And they do that so that they can learn in difficult times to trust in God. So when times get difficult, they can lean on God and they know that God will take care of them. Right? They do difficult things to learn to listen to God. Right? So that for Lent, it's kind of like practice. But there are going to be times in your life when your life really is difficult. Maybe something will come to you easy. Maybe the circumstances in your life will be sad, not so great. Right? But you'll have that Lent practice to help you in difficult times to turn to God. That's the idea of Lent. So in our gospel lesson this morning, we see that Christ goes to the desert, goes to the wilderness for 40 days, and he doesn't eat anything, doesn't drink anything. And the Bible says he's famished, he's hungry, he's dehydrated, he's tired, he's fatigued. Well, why does Jesus do that? Well, I think it's the same idea. In a sense, Jesus is practicing. Right? Jesus is getting ready for the most difficult thing that he's going to have to do, which is to go to the cross for us. Right? Jesus is getting ready for when all of his friends will abandon him, his friends won't talk to him, when he's going to undergo pain, when he's going to undergo suffering. He's getting ready for us. Right? And so that's what Lent is ultimately about for us too. It's about helping us to remember what Christ has done for us. Okay, let's pray. Lord, help us to remember all that Jesus has done for us. And when times are difficult, help us to hear your voice. Amen. Have you given up candy for Lent? I don't want to tempt you if, okay. <laughs>
In fact, we confess that he was fully human. He was fully man. And Christ experienced in his body all the things we do. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was tired. He was fatigued. The heat of the sun or the chill of a cold wind caused him discomfort. But in the same way, Christ could also be tempted outside of himself just like we are as humans. Now, to be clear, there was no sin in Christ's heart, and there was no potential of Christ sinning or being overcome by the devil. Christ is fully man, but he is fully God as well. He cannot sin. And being a human does not mean the same thing as being a sinner. However, Christ could be tempted, and he could undergo spiritual trials by forces outside of himself. He could feel the distress of the pressures exerted on him by the devil. And this is what we see in our reading. Christ, as a human, as a man, is being tempted by the devil in the exact same way that we are tempted by the devil as humans. And so this morning, I hope to draw together two threads of thought for you. Well, first is the reality of temptation. We're tempted on a daily basis by the world and by the devil to forsake God and to live serving a kind of false trinity of me, myself, and I. And that, I think, is how we ought to regard temptation. Temptation is that which tries to get us to turn from trusting in God to trusting in ourselves or trusting in the world or trusting in the devil. Temptations are those things which ask us in thought, word, and deed to put something else ahead of God. Usually that something else is us. And so these temptations are a daily reality. So the first thread I want you to hold on to is this basic idea that we're daily being tempted to turn from God and to instead serve ourselves and serve our own pride. We're so often tempted to put ourselves, to put the things of the world above God. And this is a daily temptation. Daily, we seek to find happiness We seek to find true goodness outside of the Lord. And that's a daily reality for us. The second thread I want you to hold on to is that of our Lenten theme this year, which is the Lord's Prayer. So this year, during the Lenten midweek services, I'll attempt to reflect on the importance of the Lord's Prayer for us as Christians. And these reflections, I hope, will take us through Holy Week and into Easter. But the point I want to make this morning is that the Lord's Prayer itself addresses the ways in which we're tempted on a daily basis. And because in the Lord's Prayer, we pray in and through Christ, the very words that he has given us to pray, I think we can lean on this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, as we face our daily temptations. And so there's a connection between the ways in which the devil tempts Christ and what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. So the temptations of Christ in Luke chapter 4, and then later the temptations and the pressures that Christ faced in his passion, they all correspond to what we ask of our Father in the Lord's Prayer. For example, we begin our prayer by asking that God's name be hallowed. Hallowed be thy name. right? God, make your name holy. And Luther explains that this means that God's name is kept holy when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity. When we keep and trust the promises of God purely and truly, then God's name is hallowed among us. It's made holy among us. Well, this is the one way the devil 
begins to tempt Christ. So we read that the devil takes Jesus to Jerusalem, places him on the pinnacle of the temple, and says to him, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he'll command his angels concerning you to protect you. Well, the devil is trying to get Christ to doubt the word of God's, the word of God's promises. The devil is trying to get him to test God's name rather than to submit to it and trust in it. More than that, the devil is attempting to get Christ to accept this temptation of the fame of publicly acclaiming who he is. Right? The devil takes him to this public place, the top of the temple in a big city, and says, throw yourself down from here so everyone will see who you are. He's trying to get Christ to put his name above God's name. He's trying to make Christ the center of Christ, to make center of the world's attention. Right? And Christ says, no, instead I have come to serve humanity. I have not come to draw attention to myself, but to the Father. Also in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, thy kingdom come. Well, again, we can see the devil tries to tempt Christ, not with God's kingdom, but with the kingdoms of the world. Right? The devil says, I can give you all of this power in this world. And the temptation is to not rely on God's kingdom, but to take this easy, quick route in which he'll get every temporary power in the world. And so again, in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. And we see again Satan trying to tempt Jesus to circumvent that trust that God will provide and instead to have Christ make bread for himself rather than to trust in God as provider. Later on then in the Gospels, Christ in his time of agony, uh, when he's considering what he'll face on the cross, he'll pray, let thy will be done to the Father. And on the cross he'll say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Right, over and over, we hear these echoes of the Lord's Prayer and all this pressure that Christ was facing. The temptations and the hardships that we see Christ enduring in the gospel are well connected to the very things we pray in the Lord's Prayer. We will face the same temptations that Christ faces in the gospel. We'll be tempted to become anxious, to worry about where our daily bread will come from, Right? And not literally just bread, but where all of our physical needs will be met. And we can easily be tempted to believe that God will not provide these things as we need them. Right? How easy that is to do now. If we hear, hear news about inflation, about gas prices, about shortages at the grocery store, how easy it is to become anxious about our daily bread. We'll be tempted to take the Lord's name in vain rather than to make it holy. Right, that is, we'll be tempted to believe not in the promises of God, but we'll be tempted to live nominally as Christians in this world. We'll be tempted to want to see the kingdoms of this world prosper before we want to see the kingdom of God prosper. We'll be tempted to put the powers of this world above the things of God. We'll be tempted to withhold forgiveness. We'll be tempted to put ourselves in situations where we will easily be drowned by temptation, and so on. And so when Christ gives us his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he gives it to us knowing just exactly what we need. He knows we will be tempted just as he was tempted. The difference, of course, is that Christ does not give in to temptation. 
Rather, Christ overcomes. He overcomes the devil and the world. Christ is the conqueror of everything that separates us from God. And when we pray the Lord's Prayer then, we want to remember that we're not just praying empty, rote words. Christ did not just pick out a few random petitions for us to focus on. Rather, Christ has given us the words, the, the words to lean on daily. He's given us these words to trust in as we face our daily temptation. He has given us the words to remind ourselves that God will, in fact, provide all things for us. God will not abandon us in times of trial. Rather, God will make himself known to us as our loving Father. But even more than that, we pray the Lord's Prayer knowing that we are praying through the one who has overcome all temptation. We use the Lord's Prayer to flee to what Christ has done for us. Only Christ has fulfilled all the words of the Lord's Prayer perfectly. Only Christ has overcome every temptation for us. In this lifetime, we will never perfectly live out these words. In this life, we will daily succumb to temptations. But Christ still claims us. And so the Lord's Prayer, at its heart, teaches us to rely on him alone. It should remind us that God wants to give us every good thing because we belong to Christ and we're united to him. The prayer is a reminder that like we'll sing later at the, end of a, at the end of the service, that God is a mighty fortress. He's the one we can turn to when we are tempted. And we can turn to him trusting that Christ has done everything for us. And so my encouragement to you then is to take time to really pray the Lord's Prayer. Especially use this time of Lent, this time of practice, this time of focus to reflect on it. Consider all that it means for us. So often we can rush through the Lord's Prayer, right? We can say it by rote, we know it so well, that we don't often take time to reflect and think about and connect to the words of the Lord's Prayer. But take time this season to really make it central to your daily prayer and your daily walk with God. Don't just rattle off the words in rote memory. Because the Lord's Prayer is meant to give you confidence in your daily life. It's meant to be there as you face the temptations of this world. And it's meant to, call, to recall you to remember that Christ has overcome every temptation already for you. Right? The Lord's Prayer is given to you as a gift to lean on God and to trust in his goodness. Amen.
stand and confess our faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Now let us pray for the church, the world, and for all people who are in need. Lord Most High, be the dwelling place of your people. For the sake of Jesus, who suffered temptation and death for our redemption, be our refuge. Preserve us from every evil and strengthen us in faith so that we might be satisfied with your salvation. Lord, in your mercy. O oh Lord, in the midst of this life, we are beset by many temptations. Fix our eyes on our Lord who bore temptation for us and resisted to the point of death, and bring us through the evils of this fallen world to, to dwell with you forever. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, your son trampled the serpent underfoot and freed us from sin and death by his own death on the cross. Protect and preserve all whom you called to preach Christ and him crucified. Command your angels concerning them, guard them in all their ways, and bear them up for the sake of Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, govern the kingdoms of this world according to your holy and gracious will. Protect authorities, especially our President Joseph and our Governor Richard Michael, from every temptation from the devil who falsely claims sovereignty over them, and equip them to curb what is evil and to promote what is good among us. Lord, in your mercy. God of all mercy, you answer those who call upon you. Hear our prayers for all who are in need of healing and restoration, especially Bob and Steve, Steve and Mike, Chuck and Nancy, Marcy, Greg, Alan, Ray, Jean, Marilyn, Jean, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, Jane, Steve, and Mike. Be with them in their trouble and rescue them according to your gracious will. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. 
O Lord, everyone who believes in Jesus as Lord will not be put to shame. Unite your people in a right confession of your word and bring us with penitent hearts to receive the great riches of your Son's body and blood. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, your Son was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to suffer temptation for our sake as part of our redemption. Strengthen us when we are tempted so that we do not take his obedience for granted and teach us to rely upon your word as our defense against the evil one. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. And also with you. Holy God, gracious and merciful, you bring forth food from the earth and nourish your whole creation. Turn our hearts toward those who hunger in any way, that all may know your care, and prepare us now to feast on the bread of life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places 
Give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful Father, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the host of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Blessed are you, O God of the universe. Your mercy is everlasting, and your faithfulness endures from age to age. Praise to you for creating the heavens and the earth. Praise to you for saving the earth from the waters of the flood. Praise to you for bringing the Israelites safely through the sea. Praise to you for leading your people through the wilderness to the land of milk and honey. Praise to you for the words and deeds of Jesus, your anointed one. Praise to you for the death and resurrection of Christ. Praise to you for your spirit poured out on all nations. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. With this bread and cup, we remember our Lord's Passover from death to life as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. O God of resurrection and new life, pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these gifts of bread and wine. Bless this feast and grace our table with your presence. Reveal yourself to us in the breaking of the bread. Raise us up as the body of Christ for the world. Breathe new life into us. Send us forth burning with justice, peace, and love. With your holy ones of all times and places, with the earth and all its creatures, with sun, moon, and stars, we praise you, O God, blessed in holy trinity, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Now taste and see that the Lord is good. Thanks be to God.
I could just stand. Let us pray. We give you thanks, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through the healing power of this gift of life. In your mercy, strengthen us through this gift in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
Serve the Lord.